What's up, everybody, and welcome to Tailgate Talks. This is week 84, and this is the tailgate where this week we are discussing the Eastern Western Conference Finals, wrapping up what happened last week to get us to this place, a little NFL scheduling, and of course, as always, our uh, shot bets and final shots. But before we get into all of that, make sure you are following us on Apple and Spotify. Give us a follow there and give us that five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Hit us with the actual review on Apple. All of that helps us out greatly and would be appreciated by the both of us. Make sure you're also following us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at tailgate underscore talks. Uh, If you want to follow our personal accounts on Twitter, follow Dustin at DustinWimmer22 and myself at CalvinB. Barrett, we are the most active on Twitter. So if you want to catch up with us, you know, daily, see what our thoughts are on anything that's breaking, follow us there. Uh, We do have Facebook and Instagram and also a YouTube uh, page where you can follow us and catch little bite-sized clips from the uh, podcast. Usually they are Club Red related as those videos tend to do much better. Uh, on youtube but you can follow us there and lastly we do have an email tailgate talks pod at gmail.com where you can email us for inquiries questions comments on the show Uh, send us an email and we will let you know so with all that being said let's go ahead and get into this week's tailgate Dustin, we have reached the conference final round, but since we last left you guys, we got some cleaning up to do, so let's go ahead and discuss what happened to get us to the point where the Mavericks are facing the Warriors and the Heat are facing off with the Celtics. So let's start with the team that most of you guys are probably fans of, if you're listening, the team that Dustin's, or the city that Dustin's repping right now, uh, the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks come back from down three games to two, even up the series in Dallas, and Dustin just completely dominate the Suns dominate. in game seven in Phoenix. Now, a domination win like that isn't unheard of in the playoffs, but usually that team is probably the home team. But this was yeah. just completely different than anything that I've ever seen in a game seven, any sort of beatdown that I've seen in the playoffs where it's just it's on the road, there was it was never close from basically tip the Mavericks had like a 10 point lead and never looked back from there. Luka Doncic was incredible. So what are your thoughts on the Mavericks, you know, coming back in this series, you know, from down 0-2 to down 3-2 to end up winning this series in an unbelievable style in Phoenix. Yeah, you could probably all point it back to win Devin Booker made his whole uh, Luca special fake flop, whatever, and then stole the ball out of his hands. And from then on, Luca was pissed off and wanted to show him up. And he sure did for the next two (laughs) games because Devin Booker looked like shit in game seven. Chris Paul looked like shit in game seven. Chris Paul looked like shit in game three, four, five, six. uh, (laughs) Yeah. After his 37th birthday, he went, he fell off a cliff real bad. But man, that game seven. What what an ass kicking. Oh my God. The fact that one that I mean, 
Luca set the table like right out the gate yeah. being aggressive, scoring like eight out of the first ten points and like not missing. He's mean bit of everything. And I give everybody else confidence too of like hitting shots. But the defense was incredible as well. Yeah. <clears throat> like the fact that they only had like 12 or 14 points in the first quarter and 27 at halftime and we're down 30 and Luca had 27 and a half by himself. And like you already knew it was over at halftime because it's like, well, there's no way they can like, you can't blow a 30 point lead like in the NBA, like in a half really like at this point oh, in the yeah. season, like with these teams, like no way. That's like, cruise control. Just, there's just no way. And then the fact that they were able to put, push it even further into the 40s. They were up 46 at one point. It was ridiculous. And even like the three points they got at the end to push them to 90 was a BS steal and jack up three. But, I mean, you had Spencer Dinwiddie going off. You had Jalen Brunson doing his thing. I mean, probably like four or five of the best players on the court were all Mavericks. Like – the fact that they were able to lock down Chris Paul and Devin Booker and then made DeAndre Ayton worthless because of foul yeah. trouble and just couldn't guard, you know, with, you know, Maxie and these other bigs that they can throw out there to shoot. Like, uh, that's why I want to talk about the Suns later in their offseason because he's a free agent coming up. And so it was incredible how, how much they were able to keep the pedal, like, foot on the gas even in that third quarter and push it to 40 plus and it's like the Mavericks probably couldn't don't even need to score in the fourth quarter and they'd still yeah. win this game <laughs> they great. they could have literally just sat all their guys let Suns yep. play 5 on so probably won that game it was you know we talked about it last week it was hey what are your role players gonna do oh, on the road man. Because they were obviously playing very well in Dallas, but it was like, can you get a performance like that from your guys on the road? And when you said it, perfect. Luca came out there and he was, he was doing the thing, the thing that guys like LeBron do, the things that like Michael Jordan and Kobe's and those He's kind like, of guys do. Get this. Those guys win you game sevens, and he was doing that. But like, he probably could have won that game individually, even if the role players sucked. But the role players were hitting all of their open shots. Dinwiddie stepped up and had a huge game. Brunson was, you know, back, you know, being himself on the court. Mm -hmm. And then you were having contributions from all over. It was just an incredible performance from top to bottom from this team. Uh, It was a really fun game to watch them on that kind of level. And just like the the level that Luca got to in that game, like it was, it it was kind of one of those things solidifying. He's been a top five player in the league, but he hasn't had those playoff like check right. points yet and no, he's like starting he's there. to hit he's hitting a lot of them quickly yeah they, real uh, quick the crossover on cam johnson and three-pointer before the half was just icing on the cake of like this is just too real like they they can't miss the sons can't guard them like and i mean in the shot bet i posted it i took the sons because in this series, the home team won each game by an average of 17 points. Yeah. That's a huge difference in game to game, like home and away thing. So I was like, maybe the Mavs will keep it closer than they had been within like a single digit, but this should be the Suns game. And was I wrong? And I was glad I was wrong. It's such a weird series because it did go seven, but there's not really anything from any of these games that's memorable because like you said, 
it, it was blowouts by both teams at home. Uh, and the only thing that's memorable from the series is just how dominant that yeah. that game seven was. Just I don't know if of, I can remember a, a that epic of a collapse in a game. That's what seven. I was gonna say. Look at look at the Mavericks the last five games. Four of the last five, they dominated yeah. the Suns. Dominated. They gave Suns yeah. a two game head start and then whooped them. Chris Paul, the king of starting the series two and zero, and then losing it—that's like his fifth time, fourth or yeah. fifth time fifth to one. do that. Um, and he's lost his last four game seven. So we'll get into more of the Suns and, and their look after this. Uh, but any like just closing things on the Mavericks in that series? Is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Any I got players the, uh, you wanted to touch on? The big stat list. Oh yeah, for that's, you. that's right. So yeah, let's get this yeah. out of the way. Because uh, this is a pretty good <laughs> stat that shows just the domination of Luca. So, Dustin, we haven't had this very often lately. So, yeah. kick it over to you for your stat of the week. Take that for data. Stat of the week is all Luca stats. How much Luca dominated the Suns? Luca led the Mavericks in every you know significant statistical category and verse. The Suns player that led their team in that statistical category. Points, Luca had 228. Devin Booker, only 164. So, Luca with 60 more points over those games. Assists, Doncic with 49. Chris Paul with 40. Rebounds, Doncic even led with 69. And Aiton only 57. Nice. Like you're under Aiton. What are you doing? Like, you're not even getting rebounds and Doncic is. And he doesn't even try to get rebounds, really. The ball just goes to him. Yeah. For his rebounds. Uh, steals, Doncic with 15. And Mikel Bridges, super defensive player on their team with only nine. And then three-pointers, mm. Doncic obviously 22. And Jay Crowder, because he gets left open a lot, made 16. But he made five stat lists way better than all the Suns players could do. Um, little bonus uh, stats for you. Spencer Dinwiddie made – about 570000 extra dollars for the Mavs making the conference finals. So that's All why right. he played so well in game Yeah, seven. he's like, I got to get this cool. extra money. Nice incentive there. Yeah, that was – he had pretty good game six and seven after really yeah. struggling in the series. You know, he was a, a big difference in, you know, getting the Mavs to the Western Conference finals. So uh, some other – uh, clean up we got to do so we won't really dive into this series much because this is kind of what we saw coming but the Warriors were indeed able to close out the Memphis Grizzlies in game six uh, they did get routed in that game five in Memphis with uh, the Grizzlies just destroyed them without jaw but came back and it was a good game six it was pretty close and then all of a sudden the Warriors couldn't miss anymore Steph was hitting threes Clay was hitting threes uh, Andrew Wiggins was hitting threes Close out this series, so goodbye to the Grizz. We already said our peace to them kind of last week in preparation. So yeah, so that's what sets up the Mavs versus Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Well, we go to the Eastern Conference Finals now uh, where uh, the Heat dispatch of the 76ers, um, you know, a series that we kind of saw coming to an end. Now the Sixers yeah. did make it close, but Heat ultimately able to end that series. And we'll get into the 76ers a little bit after this, but we want to talk about what was the best series uh, of the second round. And that was the Celtics and the Bucks 
that went to seven games. And while game seven was kind of a boring game, the Celtics dominated that one, winning it by 28 points uh, to get themselves back in the Eastern Conference Finals. I kind of wanted to talk about that game six because the game six was very interesting and very entertaining to me. This was a series that felt like it was over after Boston lost that game five, heading back to Milwaukee, Giannis playing like he did. And Dustin, if I were to tell you that Giannis scored 40 points and had 20 rebounds in a game, you're telling me that the Bucks won, right? Like if I just tell you that, you're like, yeah, how much did they win by what? Like 30, by 40? <laughs> No, sure, just like a solid, yeah, just a solid eight to 12, probably, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, that was not the case because Jason Tatum did the thing that kind of similar to what Luca did. He kind of took that next step in my eyes in his career where he did the game six LeBron in Boston. He did that in that game, 46 points, which gave Celtics a chance to go back to Boston and win that game seven. Anything you want to add to, you know, kind of what Tatum did and what Boston was able to do. And going into Milwaukee, forcing a game seven, and then handling them in, you know, pretty easy fashion back in game seven. Yeah, I think it just showed that the um, the Celtics were the deeper team and had just more of the talent, whereas the Bucks were getting drug along by Giannis and all his might and all he can do. But really not having Chris Milton was a big factor in this series. And Celtics had that much firepower. I think I did see that Giannis in this series had 200 points, 100 rebounds, and 50 assists. Yeah, he was first player was ever ridiculous. to like, have that in a series. And yeah, they lost. Like what? <laughs> um, he just couldn't couldn't will them to win. You know, kind of like he needed the other guys to step up and just a little more than what they had been without Chris Middleton there. And so I do think the better team right now won that series though with the Celtics yeah I agree with you on that too I I just think that both of these teams whoever made it out you know was going to be really commendable on them but at the end of it the Celtics just had too much firepower and Mm -hmm. Giannis gave it everything they got the Bucks were definitely a worthy like you know fighting to defend their title like they did that to the best of their abilities but ultimately at the end they just not did not have enough to do it, so the Celtics closed them out, which set up the Celtics in the heat. So let's say goodbye to a couple teams that we haven't had the chance to say sayonara to yet. And let's start off with the 76ers, who um, came into the season already after a disappointment last season. Ben Simmons' saga uh, was hovering over them for the majority of the season. They trade him for James Harden. And guess what James Harden does? He does his best Ben Simmons performance in game six. Uh, I think he only had two shots in the second half. Uh, Didn't do squat for them. No. You know, he had Joel Embiid out there battling a facial fracture, a torn ligament in his thumb, just trying. Kind of seemed like the 76ers quit. So, Dustin, they're in quite the predicament here as Mm -hmm. James Harden looks to get paid. They traded a lot of their team and pieces to get yep. James Harden. Feels like they're kind of stuck here. Uh, what are your thoughts on this end? A disappointing season. Doc Rivers making excuses. Doc, you know, Joel Embiid <laughs> saying he misses Jimmy Butler. Just like this team doesn't know how to end a season without all sorts of chaos. <laughs> no, 
I mean, Joel Embiid, I mean, while he does, you know, just speak his mind, and we kind of like that. I mean, he is kind of fueling some of the fire for people. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at their like salaries and roster. They're bringing back pretty much everybody next year. A couple bench guys that are not under contract, but that's no big deal. But is obviously the big question is James Harden's contract. He has one more year in his deal. Is that a player option or the team option? Do you know? It is a player option. So <laughs> he's, he's definitely taking that he's 46, taking that. almost yeah, 47 46, yeah. million dollars. Um, so he'll be back. Um, I guess, I guess you just got to hope like Tobias Harris coming back, maybe helps even some things out. I don't know. That, <laughs> Tyrese Maxey takes another leap. Well, yeah, you have Tyrese Maxey and that's great, but he's not going to have room to take leaps. Like that's why he was doing so good the first half of this year is because he was filling the Ben Simmons role. And then once James Harden got there, he kind of took the ball out of Maxie's hands a little bit, you yeah. know? Um, I'm just looking at it from, you know, Tobias Harris is the only guy that wasn't there these last couple months. And now he is going to be on the floor. Maybe he helps even some things out. Maybe, I mean, honestly, James Harden has to change his game. And I don't know if he's the type of player yeah. that will do that. He's in like the Cam Newton situation from a few years ago, literally like the same age. They had a, they had a weird type of game that not everybody has and they aged fast and you know, Cam Newton wasn't the backup quarterback situation type of guy and James Harden. Can he change and be more of a facilitator type no. of guy? We know he's not a defensive and rebounding guy. So like, what does he really bring you? I don't know. It, remind, it, it reminds me a little bit of like Russell Westbrook in a way. It's like they're so set in their ways. This is the only way they played basketball their yeah. entire careers. The whole Rockets team was just built around James Harden standing sure. there dribbling and creating and then the kicking just up. waiting to shoot. Yeah, just waiting to shoot. Like this is how he's played his whole career. Now he's – the best part of his game right now is his ability to still create for others and play make. And his passing is still really good. Can he figure out a way to be – a solid, consistent player by creating for other people because he he can't do the one on one anymore. Like that, he's that's not passed. even the number. He can't even be the yeah. He's first, not a, second option anymore. He's got he's to learn to number, be the third yeah. and fourth option. Can he he's learn to let, do that? He's got to let Tobias and Tyrese Maxey have their time. Can they he's find not a it. coach? Can they like so? You know, Doc Rivers is they they you know Maury came out and said Doc Rivers will return. Is that actually the case? Do they try to get D'Antoni in or some coach that's familiar with Harden to try to make it they, work? No, I th- I don't think they get off Doc. I did hear Bomani Jones on his podcast uh, from yesterday was talking about maybe Joel tries to get out of Philly. Maybe that's uh, the best case for him. Like is, you, you said it perfect. They're stuck. Like they don't have wiggle room anywhere. Like no. the only guy they're not bringing back next year is DeAndre Jordan. And he Which good. rarely played. Yeah, yeah. who cares? Um, yeah, it depends on what Harden, what James Harden shows up and what he does with and for this team. But also, he's playing for another contract too because he's done after next year. Yeah, maybe. If he doesn't change his ways. Like, no one's going to pay him. Yeah, he's not getting another. He's not getting a big anything. contract for yeah. sure. If he's going to be breaking down like this and not, not be able to do anything. Yeah, so it's going to be an interesting offseason to, you know, watch with them. 
they went into last season with, you know, super intriguing Ben Simmons things. It just feels like they're in the exact same place. They are. Uh, and, and so, that, you know, it feels like they had so many opportunities. They could have taken other players. It felt like, you know, Bradley Bill, C.J. McCollum, other players that might have been a little bit of a better fit around Joel Embiid. But ultimately, another season ending in disappointment for the 76ers. Now let's get on to the Suns. So we did talk about their defeat, uh, you know, to the Dallas Mavericks. They've got an interesting offseason ahead yeah. of them as well. And so let's kind of dive into that. You've got a 37-year-old Chris Paul who we know his whole career has been injury-riddled, um, especially in the playoffs. Devin Booker, who is a star, but he is not mm. on the level of some of your other stars. I don't think he's on the Jason Tatum level. I, th- I think he's not a on tier Luca's below level. that. No, we <laughs> never thought he was on Luka's level. The only thing that made him kind he got, of he got similar – he got fourth in MVP this year, and Luca got fifth, though. So some people think he's something. Did the Suns just fool us? Did the Suns fool us? Was that what it was? Did they pull a jazz on us? Did I think we think that we got lulled team? into like they were super likable. Yeah, with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, likable dudes. Um, Bridges. Yeah, I don't know. And then yeah, they kind of just got shown up. But yeah, dude, they're in a bad spot. Um, they have some holes on their roster coming up, but Devin Booker, is he a one? I mean, he's still pretty young. Can he still develop and be a one or is he a two? It's only 25, but I think he's a one with an elite point guard playing so with Chris, him. And Chris Paul's not that anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's tough. It's a tough look for him. Now, the Suns did come out and say he, he's been, you know, dealing with an injury. And of course, I, I be- that's the Chris Paul special right but there. I, I do believe <laughs> it because he was really good against the Pelicans. He was pretty solid in the start of the series. I don't really believe that. It just dropped tell, off. Like, and he's Tell just, me a year that Chris Paul gets to the second round and doesn't get hurt. There's not one. Every year. year doesn't exist. But, you know, can he be still a uh, – a viable point guard for you? Yeah, I think so. But I just don't think it's going to be with the Suns anymore. Um, and then they've got the Aiton question, and they they, they didn't want to pay him last year. Right. I I didn't see anything this year that makes me think that they're they're going to pay him. And meanwhile, the guy you could have drafted is out there dropping 27 Fuck points him. on you in the first half and sending you home. Yeah, Aiton was in. He was number one pick in Luca's class. And obviously, you got – Luca and Trey Young looking good out there leading their teams now. Um, yeah, they refused to extend him last year when he had a chance. Yeah. He wants the max or super max, whatever it is. I don't see how you give DeAndre Ayton $30 million to be a, a traditional center. Yeah. Traditional centers don't work anymore. Like we, the Mavericks played him off the court just like they did what's his name for the jazz um so you can't play him i also think he gets a lot of dumb easy fouls like i feel like it was so easy for luca or anybody else to just drive in and make contact and get an and one like all the time so he's constantly in foul trouble too like the fact that you only had to got to play 17 minutes in game seven one because you're getting your ass kicked and you can't hit threes to help your team come back Two, you can't play defense against these guys hitting threes to not make it get worse. 
Yeah, it's really crazy for a team that had been in the dumps for so long, had that little bubble run to get excited, traded for Chris Paul, and you're thinking, oh, and then Super looks like off. Booker takes a leap. Looks like they might have a, a decent-sized window here, and all of a sudden that, it looks like that window is closed after just two years. And maybe and it sucks to know. have to part ways with a guy you just drafted four yeah. or whatever years ago, and he's only 23. But it's just, you can find a viable replacement to do those things. <laughs> it's the it's the position uh, and, the, yeah. and how the game has evolved. Like you need a one through four type of player. Fives, fives are like your NFL running back type guys. Like you can go get one of those from a D two school that is serviceable. You know, uh, and they have a lot of holes kind of to fill. Javel McGee. He came in and filled out in really well. But that's because he can play some defense for you. Yeah. But he's a free agent. He's also 34. Um, and obviously some of their end of the bench is open. But, yeah, big hole with DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul. How's he going to age? How do you also, like, shift from this Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton with Devin Booker and try to retool your team i guess yeah so that way you maybe i mean maybe you run it back again next year kind of but then yeah. after next year chris paul's gonna be 38 going into like what season 18 or some bullshit i don't know he's gonna be done you gotta retool quick to try to keep Devin booker happy or you're gonna end up in a situation yeah. kind of like the trailblazers with you know Payne willard yeah, and plus they have the whole owner situation with, you know, Sarver that's kind of been hanging over them. And, and so who knows what's going to happen with that situation. Uh, and But, you know, James Jones has done a pretty good job getting pieces for that team. So this will probably be his biggest task yet is trying to figure a way to keep them competitive in a Western Conference that's got a lot of young teams mm, that are yeah. that are going to be getting better next year. So uh, interesting to see what the Suns will do this offseason. But before that, we got Eastern and Western Conference Finals. So let's get into these as the Eastern Conference starts off tonight. The uh, Boston Celtics, Miami Heat already playing. But let's start off with the Western Conference Finals. The Dallas Mavericks versus the Golden State Warriors, a very interesting series to me. Lots of star power in this series uh, as we head into it. The Mavs, so a couple things real quick on the Mavs. The Mavs are 4-0 this postseason when somebody besides Luka scores 25 points. thought that's an interesting little stat there because we did talk about last week how other players need to step up and help Luka. Luka can't just do it on himself. The Mavs are actually playing better when – you know, Luca was scoring a little bit less and had better yeah. performances from other players, and that just kind of goes to show uh, show that's happening. And Luca, so far against the Warriors this season, has averaged thirty one point five points per game against the Warriors. That's the second most next to LeBron this season. He's scored one hundred twenty six points in four games against the Golden State Warriors. So, Dustin, the Warriors back in the conference finals oh, and the Mavs back in the conference finals for the first time since they won their uh, NBA championship back in 2011. So your thoughts on a very intriguing series here. Yeah. Very intriguing. Lots of star power. Like you said, the trusty veteran championship caliber 
Golden State Warriors are back, looking like their old selves pretty much. Um, and then the new kids on the block with the best player left, I'd say, and Luka Doncic, best scorer by far, I'll say that. Best scorer, he can do whatever he wants with the ball. It'll be fun to see, you know, the Draymond Green matchup on him. Yeah. Quite a bit. You'll probably also see um, oh, Kaminga quite a bit and, and Wiggins quite a bit on him. Um, but Luca's almost unstoppable. You got to hope he misses. But the Draymond matchup will be fun. But the Mavericks are going to do what they did, you know, these last two series and throw out centers that can shoot threes and stretch the floor really well on you. And that's going to be a hard matchup for for the Sun or the for the Warriors, I think, because that you're going to be making Draymond run around a lot and make these big guys let them shoot like they have been. Um, I don't know where to pick this one, to be honest. It's kind of like we didn't expect the Mavericks to be here, so I don't know what yeah. to do with them. <laughs> yeah, this is a. Uh, I think this is actually more intriguing than the Suns would have been here. I, I yeah. definitely think. Like, it's interesting to think, like, who's the better player in the series? Is it Luka or Steph? I think all around what Luka brings right to the Mavericks, I, th- I think it's Luka. And Luka's playing some of the best basketball, probably the best basketball of his career right now. You know, Suns' defense was a, pretty, was a top five defense, and he just had his way with them. Um, the, the Golden State Warriors can go, uh, you know, small ball. They have that like death lineup where they can throw right. Draymond at the five and they're going to be able to, I think, be able to cover the Mavs and what they're wanting to do by spreading out the court and everything like that. But we've seen the teams that give the Warriors problems like that LeBron and Kyrie team in 2016 that won the title. This Mavs team gives me similar vibes to that. Yeah. You, know, you got Luca, who is your LeBron, right? Who can, who can, drop 40 on you and also kick it and find guys in the toughest places, create shots for your great shooters that they have all around him. But then they also have other guys who can create like LeBron had Kyrie, you know, right now, Luca's got Jalen Brunson who can create offense for himself and others. And if Spencer Dinwiddie is going to play like he did in those last two games, that gives you another weapon that can come in and kind of create. And it's kind of a wild card in this. So I think the Mavs have a lot, going for them right now they're playing really good basketball their confidence has got to be up and i ought to be honest i didn't really like a whole lot of what i saw from the warriors and the grizzlies like they struggled in those games when jaw wasn't out there and you know sure those grizzlies were good without jaw but there's nobody on that team without jaw that's anywhere near a star like dylan brooks is out there carrying this team jaron jackson jr is out there carrying (laughs) that team and keeping these games close like that's something to be concerned for me. And I think that's what gives the Mavs a chance here. So who are your X factors? Like if the Mavericks are going to win this one, who are a couple guys are you looking at? Like after they do, like if they do win that you're looking back, like they had probably had to have great series. Yeah. I've mentioned him a lot. Kleva is a big time Maxi. He comes in as the center um, Dwight Powell, most of the game and he can shoot super well. Um, they have another white dude that comes into. He shoots really well. Bertans. Um, but Bertans, yeah. But I think, and you kind of hinted on it, like the 2011 season with some defensive guys, three and D type guys. Mavericks have some good defensive wing players. Yes, they do. With even with yeah. Dinwiddie and Reggie Bullock um, and Dorian Finney-Smith, 
those three guys can shoot pretty well. I know Reg Bullock's shot is not the prettiest, but it goes in quite often somehow. (laughs) But they D up super good. I mean, we saw that in the Sun series where the Suns are, what, a top three offense and a top five defense. And the Mavericks, like I just said earlier, didn't really have a problem with them the last five games. And it's most because of those type three type of guys because they can guard anybody. And I think that's going to really help them with this death type new death lineup of the Warriors and Jordan Poole and how much they screen and run around and switch stuff. Not going to affect the Mavericks as much because they're way more versatile on that defensive wing, I think. So those three three yeah. guys and Maxi too, how much can they D up and make their shots? And I think – you know, Jason Kidd's impressed me a lot Big this time. postseason, and he, he's going to find the mismatches. And Jordan Poole's a mismatch. Jordan Poole can't defend anybody. And so they're going to try to switch Luka, uh, Jalen, uh, Dinwiddie when he's out there to have Jordan Poole on him and try to exploit that mismatch. Uh, and then that's going to cause guys like Draymond, Clay, or whatever to sag off and help. And then that's when you can maybe find your guys in the corner and as long as your you know guys are hitting those open threes, like it's going to be a very good series. Dustin predictions yeah. on this one. Uh, you know, do you see the Mavs prevailing? And if so, how many games? Or do you see the Warriors prevailing? If so, how many games? You know, like I said, we didn't expect the Mavs to be here, and screw it, I'm going to go with them and ride with them and ride with Luca and Mavs in seven. Let's go to the NBA Finals again. I think they have the best right. player and the best defensive rotation to match up. Um, and can I don't think it's a scoring issue like we might have thought. I think that got squashed this last round. They have enough offensive firepower to they end, do, yeah. You know, so that's not an issue. And I think they're the better defensive team and have the best player overall in this series. I am going Mavs in six. Um, Ooh, it's going Mavs in six. I, I, I just feel like Luca. This is his chance to kind of become like, all right. He's been in the top five player conversation, but can he assert himself as like, all right? This guy is maybe one of the you know maybe the best player in the NBA. Um, he's kind of shaken off some of those playoff losses that he's had. He's had a really good play- postseason so far. Um, I love what the Mavs have done. I love what Jason Kidd is doing as a coach and finding these matchups. I think, like, if the Mavs can get one uh, in Golden State here to start the series, I think the Mavs win this oh, in six. Huge. And so um, I, if they split this one, Mavs in six. If if the Warriors take the first two games, Mavs in seven. So, um, nice. But, yeah, I am predicting the Mavericks to win this one. I think a lot of my predictions fall around who's the best player on the on the court, and that's Luka. So, Eastern Conference Finals, Celtics, Heat. Two teams that are very familiar with each other. A lot of postseason clashes uh, since the, you know, 2010s when LeBron went to Miami. Uh, No teams have been in the Eastern Conference Final more than the Heat and the Celtics. The Heat have appeared in eight times in the last 18 seasons, while the Celtics have appeared seven times in the last 15 seasons. Although Boston has lost four straight conference finals, two of those being to the Miami Heat. Uh, some stats for you right now. Jimmy Butler so far this postseason is averaging 28.7 points per game, 
7.6 rebounds per game and 5.4 assists per game while shooting 52% from the field. Also, his three-point percentage is significantly up so far this postseason. And Jason Tatum, who had the big breakout game six, carry the Celtics to the Eastern Conference Finals again, averaged 33-8-5 and in those final four games to knock off the Bucks. So, Dustin, two familiar foes. They, of course, faced off with each other in the bubble just a couple of years ago. So uh, how do you see this Eastern conference final shaping up and what are you looking for between these two teams? This is going to be like a rock fight of an Eastern conference final. This is going to be like old school, like eighties type basketball, two physical teams that love defense and rebounding and all that fun stuff. You know, it's not like it was five years ago when we had Warriors and Rockets putting up 130 every game. Right. We're going to have a game in like the nineties, dude. And well, it's, it's funny when you say that because the, we are in the middle of the first game and at halftime it's 62 to 54. <laughs> that's surprising to be honest. That's, that, that's crazy. Cause I definitely had this one being, like you said, I had under. Yeah. But even that, I'm not surprised that it's that close. Um, I I think I'm, I'm I like the Celtics a lot more. I know I'm hating on the Heat Heat again or not giving them their praise enough, but I think it's just the Celtics were the best team in the second half of the season, and then took care of the Nets pretty easily. Took care of the defending champs decently easy, and Jason Tatum has come into his own as a top five player by far. He's but on both sides of the ball, he's the best player left in this postseason. Like, two-way player, like, he's above Luka just because he plays defense way, way better. He's above Steph because he plays defense way, way better. And they got the best player left. There's no hate on Jimmy Butler, but Jimmy can't shoot the outside shot as well. But – and we said, like, if Celtics can have one guy go off and two of their other three or four guys, like, play decent, they win games easy. Like, yeah. it's when it's when they just all struggle or only one guy shows up that – they lost those games to the Bucks, and so I think they just have way more depth and firepower um, to handle the Heat. But don't don't count the Heat out either. Yeah, the Heat are interesting because while Jimmy Butler is their best player and some view him as a star, I don't really think a lot of people view him as the caliber type of player that a Jason Tatum is, that a Steph Curry is. Like, I think a lot of people kind of view him as a tier below. And when it comes to postseason, he definitely steps up his game, and he's been doing so so far this postseason. It's going to take a full team performance from the Heat to get this one done. But kind of like we were talking about in the Western Conference, I think you got to go with the team that has the best player on the court. And like you said, that's Jason Tatum right now. I mean, he's he's just kind of filling it this postseason. He's reaching a different level. He's... Crazy hard to defend on yes. offense, but then he can turn around and play some epic defense on the other end, uh, just doing it on both ends of the court. Right now he has 21 points in the first half of course, uh, in this game. So I just think he's he is getting to that level where he, the game's slowing down for him in the postseason. Uh, he knows where he needs to get on the court, and there's not really anybody who can stop him. I, I thought maybe the Heat, they have a lot of guys they can throw at them. Bam, Jimmy, um, you know, Max Struess and all these other guys that they can throw at him. But I just think he's so in his bag right now. I, I don't really know how you're going to slow him down. 
And while I expect this one to go six or seven, I just I, I just think Tatum is going to be the uh, the outlier here that takes the Celtics to the finals. And, uh, you know, that's originally what I had uh, heading into yeah, the postseason in the Celtics finals. So um, that's just kind of how I see it going. Do you see this six or seven or – or what do you? How do you think this goes for the Celtics? Because it seems like you got them in the finals. Yeah, I'm gonna go Celtics win here, and I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven. But I'll go Celtics in six. Maybe they get it together and be like, let's not push this to seven. Let's, yeah, like we did last time. Let's get it figured out. I'll tell you what the only sad thing was about having two game sevens this last Sunday was we didn't get any games on Monday. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, man, there's no basketball today. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very slow day, which led to a bunch of Patrick Beverly stuff, which I will get to later on. Okay, in a final but yeah, shot, but I got the Celtics in six. I as well have the Celtics in six. I, I think they'll probably split these games in Miami, um, and then I think probably the Celtics handle business at home. Maybe the Heat able to get that game five, and then I see Celtics closing it out in Boston. Yeah. So. Uh, and Celtics ultimately getting over the hump and not being able to make the uh, NBA championship despite having multiple chances uh, over over the last 15 seasons. So um, Celtics, uh, both from us, Maz, both from us. So yeah. the other intriguing thing, though, Dustin, real quick, would be the trilogy if the Mavs and the Heat ended up coming out of this. Oh, Something I thought of last night. It would be a trilogy, and it would be kind of cool because it's a trilogy from, like, three different eras, Yeah, really, you know? And you got Jason Kidd returning. Yeah. He was on the team the that coach. won in 2011. Yeah, yeah. Donis Haslam's still there. With <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> He's been in all three series. That would be great for, for, yeah, TV, like, making a story out of it for sure. You know, yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because you got like, you know, the Dwayne Wade and Shaq heat with Dirk, you know, still kind of a young Dirk and what Josh Howard and I can't remember some of the other guys on that 2006 team that lost. Avery Johnson was the coach. Avery Johnson. Yeah, Avery Johnson was the coach. Now he's uh, calling Tech Basketball March Madness games. Um, uh, Then you go to 2011 where, you you know, you still got Dirk and you still got Dwayne Wade, but now LeBron's in the heat and J.J. Barea's there uh, killing it for the Mavs. Um, Peja, you know, Deshaun, uh, Jason Kidd as a player. And then now I just th- I think that would be an interesting matchup to see too. Cool. So uh, just add another chapter to those teams meeting in the finals a lot of times. So uh, any – other thoughts you got on the conference finals as they tipped off tonight? No, these should all be really good matchups. I expect six or seven out of both, but yeah, a lot of fun basketball for the next, you know, two weeks. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So make sure you're watching those games, paying attention to our Twitter. We'll have some shot bets from the Eastern Western conference finals coming up. But before we get out of the NBA, the, uh, NBA draft lottery was tonight. And so just to update you guys on who won that, that's the Orlando Magic. They will have Ooh, the first pick in next year's draft, followed by the Oklahoma City Thunder, who get the second pick, and the Houston Rockets, who get the third pick. So uh, any quick thoughts on the Magic getting that number one pick, Dustin? Yeah, I was just, just looking up some 
stuff from last year and this year. A lot of the same teams, you know, Rockets picking top three again. Magic had a fifth and eighth last year, but Magic have a chance to go back-to-back. Gonzaga players, they went Jalen Suggs last year. Chance to go Chad Holmgren this year. Um, It looks like from the couple mocks I'm looking at that are already updated, looks like one and two are pretty set interchangeably at Chet and Paolo. Um, a couple of them have one way, a couple of them have the other way, but they're both one and two. And then same for three and four with Jaden Ivey um, and Smith from Auburn. So a lot of big men, obviously the versatile big men that, that are going, you know, Paolo and Smith are both 6'10 and versatile. Ivey's the only like guard type player and Chet is just a freak unicorn type dude. I don't know what's best for him. Um, yeah. I, I would like to see him go to the Thunder with – I mean, honestly, either way is good. But yeah. they got Josh Giddy last year, that Australian point guard, who was really good, actually, for them this year. And they got um, Shea Gilgers-Alexander, who's a really, so really I, good player, I, too. And, you know, they've been good at developing players over the last few years, way better than the Magic have. And, yeah. obviously, Chet's a developmental-type player with that body. I heard a good comparison today because he was on NBA Live, what it used to be, um, and his big perk compared him to when Giannis came into the league, and Giannis was, you know, he was yeah, the same not, size and not frail. the Giannis we know now. <laughs> and, and then Giannis put on fifty pounds of mostly muscle, and so yeah. I, I doubt that uh, Chet will put on fifty pounds of muscle, but he needs something similar to that. You know, maybe somewhere in between what uh, Kevin Durant and Giannis did to kind of beef up yeah. and get stronger. But, yeah, hopefully the Magic and Thunder Rockets who have been here can make some good deals. So there's, those top four players are really good dudes, so good luck to them. It kind of sucks for the Pistons. Trailblazers. Well, Pistons too because fifth is a drop-off, yeah. Pistons suck. They Let's see what number five is. Adrian Griffin, forward of Duke. Eh, okay, but big drop off from those other dudes and the Trailblazers. Like they have them taking a center from Memphis. Like I'm sure uh, Dame is not pumped about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. When they're trying to start a rebuild, so uh, the draft order is set. Of course, the draft is still a little bit of waste, but we will. You know, NBA off season is approaching quickly when things get pretty exciting. So um, we will. Uh, discuss more of the NBA next week and catch in on what's going on in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. Uh, but that will do it for this week in the NBA. We do have an NFL schedule that was released, so yeah. I'm going to kick it over to Dustin, and we will discuss a little NFL. Are you ready for some football? All right, guys. So, yeah, NFL schedule was released last week. It kind of was weird how they were – they always have a release date of the release, and then they start leaking some games out. So it kind of ruined the whole thing of it. But it's also cool to see all your teams kind of come out with these cool um, schedule releases for us. I don't care for the videos. I just want to see one good graphic of dates and home and away games. Um, so I got some week one stuff and then some team stuff for you guys. So week one, obviously, they got some good games for us. To start out with Bills and Rams, to start out that's a Super Bowl possibility there. Cowboys and Bucks get them on prime time with Tom Brady and the Cowboys. First Cowboys 
Steelers Bengals is also going to be a really good start off as well as Chargers Raiders. And then they gave us a great Seahawks opening with the Broncos and giving us the rematch that the Seahawks want right away uh, there. So Brooks, I'll run through these again for you. My week one kind of standouts, Bills and Rams, possible Super Bowl matchup, Cowboys yep. and Bucks, Tom Brady versus Cowboys in prime time, Steelers and Bengals, Chargers, Raiders, and Seahawks, Broncos, all in week one. What do you think there, man? Yeah, that's a really fun slate. NFL always does a really good job at setting up some marquee matchups in that week one. Um, and so, yeah, I, the one that I had noted, Bills, Rams, I just I love that as – as a kickoff to the season to, you know, the bills who were so close last year. And then the Rams, of course, who won the Super Bowl. Yep. A um, couple notes on some of these teams before I get into like Cowboys, Chiefs and Cardinals, the, you know, kind of the, the Lubbock trifecta of NFL teams. Um, the Holy Trinity. I said the Seahawks get the Broncos first week. The Seahawks also have to travel the most miles this year yeah. by a lot. And with them being West Coast, having to travel East Coast a lot, that sucks for them. Um, Also crazy one, this one really made me open my eyes. The Steelers never have to leave the Eastern time zone. What? (laughs) Yeah. Eastern time zone. The whole Eastern time zone. They never even cross one time zone. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And that's That's bizarre. And the factors that have to go into that, if you know NFL scheduling, because you got to play two other divisions throughout yeah. the year. You obviously get your your division, and their division doesn't move from that East time zone. Their two other divisions are all uh, the South and like East AFC East, and then their like third place matchups are all on that East Coast too. So somehow they never leave East Coast of America. So they're going to have an easy, super easy travel schedule. God, Big Ben retired at the wrong time. He could have no, like stayed didn't. in one more year. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so if you uh, – I'll start with the Cowboys, obviously. Um, they open at home with the Bucks and Bengals, two pretty hard matchups. Right out the gate, two home games though. Um, if you if you want to cut in at any time, Brooks, just just pipe up, man. Yeah. Um, NFC East gets to match up with the NFC North and AFC South, so there's a lot of favorable games there. Um, so you get Bears, Lions, Vikings are better, but Green Bay Packers are down. AFC South, we know Titans are probably down. Colts are about the same, and Texans, Jags are still down. So. Don't be fooled when you see like NFC East with really good records, but maybe yeah. when they get to playoffs and get their ass kicked because <laughs> they're not as good as their records say. But hey, you got to play who's in front of you. Um, and then there are other first place games because they won the division last year, Rams and Bucks. So that kind of sucks that they end up with that. But they did end up with a great bye week, week nine bye week. So right in the middle, perfect time for a bye week there. And uh, the Giants on Thanksgiving. So keeping it in the division there. Any thoughts on Cowboys schedule, Brooks? I mean, it starts off with a bang again, just like oh, last yeah. year, start off with the Bucks, um, and, and then, you know, follow that up with the Bengals right at this, you know, right at the top. Uh, you'll, I think you'll find out pretty quickly what this Cowboy team is going to be like this season. Uh, 
especially after not doing a whole lot in the offseason, it really felt like so. I think they're fortunate with the schedule of the NFC North and AFC South. Yeah, that'll help. Yeah, they're not as good a team as last year with this offseason. And luckily, they don't have to play as good of teams either. So they're over under, I think, was projected at like 10 and a half or so. Yeah. I would take but, the under. But you really know when you're playing like the Bucks, the Bengals, like these teams that you expect to be competitive. Playoff teams. That are outside. Yeah. And so it, it's real quick from the start. Like, of course, you're not going to be that team by the end of the season, but it's still right. – it's still like you're you're gonna realize kind of what your expectations are real quick. I think. Yeah, and something I'm gonna not mention during this whole schedule talk is who has the easiest and hardest schedule. And I think you're on the same page with me as this. The Cowboys have the easiest schedule, but those are last year's teams and records. Like that shit doesn't yeah. matter anymore. Like teams change. Like the fact that they got to play the Packers, I'm not that scared of the Packers this year. Yeah, last Packers year somebody won like what thirteen games or some shit. Like yeah, last year people had the Bengals on their schedule and were like, "Oh, that's going to be oh, an win. easy one." And then you know, I don't all look of a sudden, at all that. I think that's the yeah. dumbest thing people can do is like, "Oh, all these NFC East teams have an easy schedule." Well, yeah, yeah. they get to play all these other teams, but te- teams change. We're not going off records of last year. I don't care about that. Yeah, look at their win projections for the next season. I think is like the smarter Better. thing to do. Kind of, kind of get a glimpse at what yeah. Vegas has those lines at. Because I think you're getting, you know, they're not for just sure. putting those lines out there with Good without any thought. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump Cardinals real quick. Save cheese for last. Yeah, um, Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury Cardinals. They have to play their first six games without DeAndre Hopkins. So I kind of noted these first six games they in their first six they have chiefs raiders rams and then three other winnable games and by winnable i mean they're going to be favored even without deandre hopkins against like the jags texans somebody else um those other three eh, questionable and we all know like cliff's favorite thing to do is start super super good you know be like eight and one and then crash later I mean, yeah, poor, start, poor Cliff Kingsbury. He's just had to deal with so much his whole coaching career. Nobody's <laughs> ever had worse luck than Cliff Kingsbury. You know, with Chiefs, Raiders, Rams, and three winnables, they'll probably be like three and three to start with before they get DeAndre back in week 17 versus Saints. You can only um, hope. And then they have a cool Mexico City game week 11 versus the 49ers. So, you have any other comments on the Cliff Cardinals? Uh, I hope they lose a lot. That's all I got. <laughs> Excellent. All right, last team, <laughs> Pat Mahomes Chiefs. Uh, very tough schedule. They yeah. have no favors in their schedule. They get like the AFC, the NFC West, you know, which we know is really hard division there. Their own division got so, so, so much better and crazy this year. It's the stupidest. Um, <laughs> it's, the, it's definitely the best division by far. I'm going to lead you off with their first seven games, and you just tell me what you think about this. Luckily, they get a week eight bye. But, man, their first seven games, Cardinals, Chargers, Colts, Bucks, Raiders, Bills, 49ers. Yeah, that's – like, yeah, that's, that's, that's not ideal. But, I mean, the I Chiefs mean, have had tough schedules pretty much every single year. They're, they're playing usually pretty damn good teams to start their seasons anyway. So uh, this is to be expected for them. Yeah, I just think 
they kind of stepped down a little bit after this last off season and yep. like the chargers, I think the Colts got better. The Raiders got better. I mean, their, their whole division got so much better. The Bucks didn't get worse. <laughs> the Phillies got better. 49ers didn't get worse. <laughs> so man, if, if you see the chiefs coming out and they're like three and four, Going into the bye week, yeah, don't freak there, out. There's not you a know. guaranteed like win in that at all. Maybe against the Cardinals, but <laughs> I wouldn't say that either. Though I mean, yeah, week no, one, Cliff starts off. Week one, you're still figuring some things out with this new offense of the Chiefs. I'd say their most favorable game there is the Colts, um, and I don't even know if that's home or away. I just wrote it down, yeah. but that's just looking at teams. That's just head to head. That's probably the best one so far because I think the Raiders are going to be better than people think this year too Um, yeah I I will be curious to see what people do that first game you know it's it's uh it's a tug at some of these tech fans oh yeah yeah undeniable love for Cliff Kingsbury and then their undeniable love for Patrick Mahomes who are they going to root for the guy who ruined Pat Mahomes college career yeah or the guy who made Cliff Kingsbury an NFL coach. The decisions, Dustin. <laughs> Glad you brought that up. The, the Lubbock um, divided house, Chiefs Cardinals week one. <laughs> Can't wait to come back and talk about that in a couple months. I think it's definitely like 80-20 Pat to Cliff. But, you know, there are still some Cliff stands out there who can't get over the fact that he was a failure. But, you know whatever we've talked about that <laughs> enough <laughs> any other news or notes about nfl schedule you had uh i just you know tagged some games that i'm yeah, you know true. curious to watch uh my you know week one was bills rams week three bucks packers probably the last maybe the last time you get to see tom brady versus aaron Rodgers. okay um chiefs bucks in week four you know, the Chiefs-Bills rematch in week six will obviously be very entertaining yeah, to see their first game, you know, since that epic uh, playoff matchup. Yep. Um, Packers-Bills. I, I, I keep this one because I don't know if we've seen Josh Allen play Aaron Rodgers at, like, this Josh, ex- Allen, at sure. this Josh Allen level. I would expect level. him to kick their ass. Yeah, but I, I did find that one kind of – intriguing because like since Josh Allen has become the quarterback he is I don't know if they played the Packers so it's just yeah. an interesting matchup to see there and then another one I keyed in uh Browns at Texans the uh Deshaun Watson return to Houston possible <laughs> Deshaun Watson in, that, in, in that week 13 uh I just kind of keyed that one as an interesting oh, one now do we know like it looks like Deshaun's gonna be playing this year uh so you I, say I, that hold on Keep talking real quick because there was something about the Browns schedule that stuck out to me. Yeah, and then the last game I had pegged was Bengals versus Chiefs in week 13, uh, the rematch of the AFC championship last year. So a couple of ones that just stood out to me. Of course, a lot of those have to deal with, like, some of the teams that I'm intrigued by this year. I didn't really go through everybody's schedule. But, yeah, you got something on the Browns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot about them when I was kind of pinpointing some teams. You know, there's this whole Deshaun Watson scandal. What might happen with him? Is he going to be suspended? Is Baker going to start? Or what's going to happen there? If he does get suspended, let's say four games, 
The Browns' first four games are a cakewalk somehow. Carolina, the Jets, the Steelers, the Falcons. Like, that's a pretty easy four-game stretch for the Browns. We have a good roster, and even with Baker or Jacoby Brissett, couldn't win at least two of those games and go two and two without Deshaun. I don't know if the NFL did them that favor. I I don't think Baker's going to be playing any football for the Browns. So, but that's a pretty, uh, pretty slim first four. And a lot of teams didn't get that comfort of another team. The Seahawks got a pretty comfortable, like first six or so games, not Seahawks, the uh, Broncos. So Russ kind of gets to settle in pretty nice as well. Hmm. Curious. But, well, yeah, uh, those are those were yeah. the games I kind of pegged, and, and of course they were just you know looking through the prism of teams that I find intriguing coming into this year. Of course, always the Chiefs, Bills, um, you know, Bengals, and then Rams. I was kind of looking at so for sure, man. That's all. Yeah, I got. there's your NFL schedule. Probably not. There's been a couple, a little bit of news. Tyron Matthew signed with the Saints. Jarvis Landry signed with the Saints. So they're looking pretty solid. Um, and if you look, yeah. Jameis Winston's coming back. He was doing really well for them before yeah, he got hurt. Yeah. You know, he only had like three interceptions and like 15 touchdowns before the end. Now that was with Sean Payton, who also left. But, you know, they they got better. They could see themselves back in the playoff hunt this year. Um, yep. But, yeah, I don't know how much more NFL will talk in the next couple months until something crazy happens. But you can play your favorite game of win-loss, win-loss, all this Yeah, stuff. well – yeah, once the season starts getting within reaching distance, we'll kind of do what we did last year, kind of go yeah, through divisions, like pick our win, loss, and stuff like that. But, you know, right now the news is kind of slow. And so, you know, draft is behind us. But uh, anything else you wanted to close out there with? Oh, some good NFL stuff there. Good luck to your schedule predictions. We're good, streaky! All right, so shot bets for this week. We had a couple. Uh, We had the game six of Bucks Celtics. Celtics won the game. Dustin, we both had the Bucks in that one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we both had home. Both thought the Bucks were going to close that series out. They did not. Uh, the Celtics ended up forcing that game seven, giving us both a shot bet loss. So I had one to our totals there. So that makes three for me, four for Dustin. Uh, I took a shot to uh, in club red. So back down to two. Uh, our second shot bet was game seven of the Mavs versus the Suns. We both had the home team winning in the Suns as the whole series had gone. But the Mavs, of course, dominated that one as we talked about earlier giving us both the shot bet loss so i'm back up to three dustin up to five Mm. Uh, this week we will do a couple shot bets um we won't make those picks now as we don't know what's going to happen in the games before them but uh we have pegged game two of mavs versus warriors uh, as a shot bet and game three of celtics heat as a shot bet so pay attention to our social medias where we'll get those shot bets posted so you can join in on the fun so, final shots for the week. Dustin, you got a little hockey talk for us. What you got? Yeah, there was another Dallas game seven over the weekend on Sunday night. 
the Stars, the hockey team, had a game seven against the Calgary Flames. That one was tied up two to two and went to overtime, I believe. And they ended up losing that game. They're, the reason I wanted to bring it up was they had a goalie that was playing his balls off yeah. in that game seven. He had like 62 saves, and the Stars couldn't pull it out for him. And the fact that he won – they had 62 shots on him is ridiculous, and he had to save it his 60-plus of that. And if you have a guy that's blocking 62 shots, you should win that game for him. And sucks they couldn't. Yeah. Uh, maybe they found their goalie for the future with that guy. But it was, it was fun while it lasted. It's cool to have two game sevens for Dallas, and I'm glad the Mavs could win one of them and the Stars could make the other one. Pretty exciting. So that's, that's your hockey talk for the tailgate. Yeah, the Mavs made quick work of the Suns, so everybody could kind of go tune into yeah, that did. Stars game. But um, all right, I'll, I'll add in a tidbit of hockey. The Florida Panthers move on the to ice the second caps. round. They they defeated the uh, Capitals, and this Dustin was their first time to win a series since like 1996. Way to go! So ice caps. making it to the second round, big deal for the Florida Panthers for the Florida Ice Cats as they move on to face the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I think they're playing tonight uh, right now. So um, shout-outs to them. But my actual shot bet, and real quick, uh, uh, catch up on the Heat and Celtics game right now. The Heat have taken a 76-69 to point lead here in the third quarter. So uh, that game has shifted uh, into the Heat's yeah. favor. But I was going to go another little basketball tidbit, Dustin. I don't know if you were uh, paying attention to what uh, – there wasn't any basketball on Monday night, and so what did they do? They all the sports places had Pat Beverly come on and start talking. Yeah, like I saw a lot of these. Clips. He's the Go gospel ahead. of truth for the NBA. And you really, I've never been a huge Pat Bev fan. I no. could say I, I actually really don't like Pat Bev. I've listened to some interviews he's done, like on JJ Reddick's podcast, and. I, like, I like his interviews there when he's just kind of talking about himself and what drives him and everything. But him commentating on other basketball players as a guy who really isn't nowhere near a star level as the guy he's <laughs> no. commenting on. On him, like, throwing an asterisk on the Lakers bubble title as a guy who was on a team that had a 3-1 lead and blew it, saying that if they were playing a home court, everybody knows the Los Angeles Clippers have the best home court in the NBA, right? Nope. Uh, saying that that would have made a difference. Like they don't even the have a home court. Saying, they play at the Lakers arena. <laughs> all this shit that he's been saying has been so fucking dumb. I'm like, why did we give this dude so much time to speak? He's like, you know, blaspheming about Jason Tatum as a two-way player. JJ Reddick's like, have you watched him? He's like, you know, I was in a series of my own. He's like, dude, like, shut the fuck up about things you don't know. Like, sure, there's some things he knows from being inside of the locker room or whatever, but yeah. why are we making Pat Beverly? Like, I think Draymond Green's been really good at it, but Draymond Fair. Green is a player worthy of discussing these things. Pat Beverly, he is not on that caliber for me, and he's just making himself look like a fool, I think, right now. There's Matt yeah. Barnes is going at him. Like, other players are kind of getting <laughs> pissed about the things that he's saying. I think he's really fucking dumb, and it really pissed me off. He is, and I'm going to comment just real quick because he said he's not the caliber player that he's talking about with Jason Tatum and Chris Paul. Even Chris Paul, yeah. And saying, oh, we're not worried about Chris Paul. We don't We don't even go to sleep early playing him. Well, maybe you should because they've been the best team for the last two years. Yeah. And you're, 
you're a dude that stood up on a table after winning a play-in game. Yeah. That, that was your NBA championship right there. And like the fact that I see it as he's taking his on court antics of like mouthing and trying to get into people's heads off the court into the microphone now. Yeah. And that's not the place for it. Like now you're, he's just talking out of his ass to try to bug people. That works on the court when you're in their face and doing that. That's fine, dude. That's the player you are. You're the pest and you're really good at it. You don't need to talk and do that outside. You can be real. And I think that's why people like JJ Reddick and like Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes even compared him. He's like, dude, I was the same player that he was basically like back in yeah. the day. And they, people don't remember us after yeah, we retired. Nobody's gonna remember they, you, they, they'll remember Chris Paul way more than me and you, man yeah it's just annoying and like i get what he's doing he's much better at tv than he is at playing basketball because he said like five things and it made headlines and it got twitter and all this stuff going like wow i mean if you want to talk about content he was really good at yes. that. Uh, but it just goes back in a thing that we gotta quit taking everything everybody says like as gospel or as oh seriously. i don't think anybody's taking him seriously to be honest i think he's no. getting it's going viral because it sounds so dumb. Yeah, I would hope that everybody sees it that that way. But you know, we've we've seen the Lavar balls like get in and get on first take because they say dumb shit, and we gotta you know quote it and tweet Those it. Those guys as, also oh, don't do last you think this? very long. They don't come back very often. Yeah, and so hopefully this was just like a quick hey. He's got nothing to do because he's not in the playoffs anymore because his team was eliminated. Right. Um, like you know you expected so. Uh, I, I just thought it was really annoying and just just kind of a bad look for him to get out here and start blaspheming guys who are yeah. significantly better than him and have actually made impacts on teams uh, that have gone beyond what he's done. So uh, shout out to Pat Bev. Way to be a complete asshole out there on the television. <laughs> but uh, anything you got to add, Dustin? No, I'm good there for the tailgate this week, man. All right, guys. Well, that'll do it for this week on the tailgate a little bit of a longer one for you guys as playoffs are a lot to talk about there and of course some nfl scheduling anytime we get a taste of nfl you kind of got to talk about it uh it's fun to dive back into that but make sure y'all are following the tailgate follow us on apple and spotify and give the tailgate that five star rating Make sure you also follow the tailgate on social media follow us on tailgate at tailgate underscore talks Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And as always, guys, we will catch y'all at the next tailgate. Peace.